Hogwarts has been chosen to host a legendary event. One epic challenge. The Triwizard Tournament. Two new schools. Three dangerous tasks. I'm scared for you. Year four is here. And the Goblet of Fire, visit PG-13, starts November 18th. Welcome back to the podcast, Old Millennials Remember Movies. I am your host, Angela Yoshiko, here with my co-host, Tyler Wilson. How are you? Well, I'm trying to see if our microphone will not sound like shit today. That's how I'm doing. That's what I'm doing. I'm doing okay. We do testing on the fly as we're recording. Yes, we do. Today, I'm so excited to talk about Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. And, or just colon, the Goblet of Fire. No, it's called Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Perfect, I crushed it, I nailed it. This is the uh, fourth installment in this series. Every, uh, around Thanksgiving time, we've done one. And then last year, I think I said, like, well, we might not do another one next year because our kids were really wanting to watch the next one. Well, then we ended up not watching the next one. Mm -hmm. So then we were able to do it this year. But see, now again, we watched this one, and they're like, we need to really watch the next one. And so this might be the last one in the series if they end up having us watch because i don't think i want to watch it twice in a year whoa 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 well if it's been the, if there's like a year gap between i don't know we'll see because it takes us about that long to remember what happened i'm not going to commit to it <laughs> okay so that's what we're talking about we're only traveling back a decade and a half to 2005 but that's okay because this is what we're doing right yes I keep hearing a random noise, and our kids must be doing something troubling. I know. All right. So, before we jump into Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire from 2005, let's talk about what we've been watching today, near the end of 2021. Oh, you mean like what we watched today, or are you just talking about it in general? Recently. What you've been watching? Oh, well, we did watch one thing today together with <laughs> we our kids. We did. We did. We watched The Princess Switch 3, Romancing the Star. Is that the subtitle? You I, actually remembered it? I had to look it up. Okay. This is the Hudgens Super Franchise on uh, Netflix, Vanessa Hudgens Christmas movie series that people love and we've watched all three of. Are you claiming that you are not part of the people when you say people love? I don't know. I uh, like watching them because I liked in the first one, you get two Vanessa Hudgens. Mm -hmm. And in the second one, you ended up getting three Vanessa Hudgens. So I was pretty excited about watching this third installment because I assumed... That we were going to get a fourth Hudgens. Yeah, and you kept saying it very loudly in like a psycho. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you were very... I don't want to spoil. I think it's... You know what? We need to spoil this because I don't want other people out there to be <laughs> upset. There are There is no fourth Hudgens in the movie. And I think that's a huge missed opportunity. I know. In the beginning, yes. uh, one of them is like talking about her mom. So I was like, oh, we're going to get an aged fourth. Hudgens. And they keep her off screen. And yeah. so you're just like, oh, yeah, there we go. We're going to have like a reveal. It's going to be like aged Hudgens playing her mom. Something. Yeah, I know. Didn't Failed. happen. Failed. Didn't happen. No. Disappointed. They did lean into the best Hudgens, which is like the in the sequel. It's like the blonde one who's Fiona. troubling. Oh, I don't know her name. It's, it's Hudgens 3. Hudgens it, blonde. She's the more exciting one. Like, she's the fun one. I know that she's like the criminal one, but like, that's the one you want to hang out with. She seems like a lot more fun than the other two uh, stiff turtleneck type people. yeah she's definitely uh channeling like a johnny depp swashbuckling pirates of the caribbean version of hudgens yeah i'm less drunk but sure but yeah yeah no 
Yeah, it's, you know, it's exactly what you think it is. That's all I have to say about that. There should be a fourth Hudgens, though. Yeah, I was kind of disappointed. Disappointed by the lack of Hudgens. You have to like uh, how they have a phone call with uh, one of the child actors in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, because it didn't seem like she was going to come back, but then she ended up being in, like, the last scene or whatever. Yeah, you gotta love it when they're like, oh, my flight's delayed, and we're having this FaceTime call. Well, they also got rid of that one guy for a little while, too. He's like, well, I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> like, to go pick up my daughter. Like, okay. Nobody has anything to do in these movies anymore except for Hudgens, so mm-hmm. that's fine. They had a new uh, romantic lead, I guess. Although it was weird. It's weird to watch these movies uh, because I don't know if some of these people are supposed to be, like... Netflix famous or famous somehow because like the new ro- the f- the romantic interest for Hudgens three like he has a big reveal and turns around and, and it's like and like the camera like sits with him for a second so I like turned to you and I was like are we supposed to know who this per- yeah, actor know who or was, character didn't know is who the actor was and so you know yeah fun. that was odd but maybe he's a superstar of the Netflix Christmas world I don't know I exactly anyway there's lots more Christmas movies to watch don't worry. Oh, yeah, I'm sure we'll be discussing a lot over the next uh, month. Yeah, but that's, uh, that's all that we really watched together, other than we started that Hawkeye show, but, you know, it's kind of early in that to really make a judgment But it is Christmassy related, it so is. that's of it's, note. It's set, it's set at Christmas, it does have Haley Steinfeld, someone I really like, so, um, yeah, I mean, it's only been two episodes, I'm not, I haven't decided if it's great or good or not great i don't know i didn't immediately fall in love with it i wasn't immediately like excited and like ooh yeah i was kind of like this feels a bit tv movie it seems like it could have been a movie and not a six hour show that's mm-hmm. my feeling so far but i might change my mind uh, yeah so yep put that out there so you've been busy watching other movies because it's like the end of the year yeah. good movies start coming out yeah i've been trying to do as much as i can i had to I had to do some voting for something that I still have to do before tomorrow, but I'm not like Yeah, you're half like as... fancy. You're part of the, what do you call it? The thing? Uh, I don't remember. The fancy press people? <laughs> yeah, something. Anyway, they're doing their, their voting's really early, but I don't really live in a big city, so some of the stuff I don't get to see when they see it, so that's fine. Um, but I watched King Richard, which is in theaters, but also on HBO Max. I feel like the title of this movie is not great. Why is that? Because I think it's going to be some, like, King Arthur type uh, old-timey movie. Yeah, apparently, I think a lot of people felt that way, because it didn't exactly ignite the box office either, but it's Why on didn't HBO. they call it, like, the Williams Sisters' Dad? Yeah, that might be a good good name. Raising the Williams Sisters. Something. I don't tennis know. Dad. <laughs> I mean, tell me what like the tennis. fucking movie is about to you. Like, like tennis, tennis Dad. dad. I didn't watch that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, King Richard colon Tennis Dad. I'll be honest with you. I was not excited or looking forward to this movie in any way because it just felt like a, kind of a lame biopic and like a lame biopic about the person that like doesn't even seem to be like the like I'm more interested in watching like a Venus and Serena Williams movie, not yeah. so much like their dad who was like a coach for a little while. I don't know, whatever. Um, now, having said that, it's a movie that definitely won me over as I watched it. Um, uh, the two girls who play Venus and Serena are, they're like main characters, and so they're in the movie quite a bit, and that's good. And Is then, it actually two different actresses? Yeah. What, what do you mean? I don't know. They're I know that the they're like, age. I know that they're like different sisters. They're well, not twins, right? They're, no. like, different ages, aren't they? They're different. You don't know much about tennis, do you? 
I know that there's Serena and Venus Williams. Venus is older by okay. like two years. Okay. Yeah. So obviously there's for two a different... moment I yeah, blinked out and twins. I thought they were twins for a moment. Yeah, uh, I forgot. No, one's yeah. the Venus is older, um, and then Serena, and this is about when they're like fourteen to twelve ish is kind of their age range maybe. Um, and that's when Venus Williams like went pro or you know that's insane. That age. When you think yeah. about like our ten year olds' ability to play sports. Oh yeah. They're good and then you think about them like age 12 and 14 Jesus. and then it's uh it's will smith is uh the the dad character and he's really good it's like one of his i would say and i like will smith um he doesn't pick great projects a lot but um i think he's always usually pretty good and i think this is one of his better roles i mean i think he's excellent um he's kind of like the oscar front runner which feels a little weird but mm-hmm. um yeah no i mean it, it's 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 a standard kind of biopic but i feel like it does avoid enough of the cliches and i feel like the performances are really good and i liked how the girls were and the wife too as anaj ellis she was really good too um but i like the 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 girls are very much pretty dynamic characters they have a lot to do it's not just a story about him and i i appreciated that and i you know i'm not you know i think it's he had a very specific plan and it was very much contested in the media when he was kind of protecting them slash training, you know, have, helping them train and kind of trying to find a professional coach. And um, there was a lot of pressure for Venus to go pro faster. Mm. And so there was a lot of that going on. But then some people accused the dad of being kind of like a hype person who was, you know, only out for, you know, his own notoriety or whatever. And I, the movie actually does address all those things and is you know it's not just like the saintly portrayal and i appreciated that and i liked the girls enough and yeah it won me over it's it's warm-hearted but it it's 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 sincere enough that it doesn't feel too biopicky so gotcha i I overheard you recommending this to your dad oh yeah just like a perfect like dad christmas movie oh yeah it's not like yeah not like not christmas but you know dads tend to watch movies yeah it's a it is a great uh like yeah i think a lot of people would probably like the movie it's not like when i recommend Titane, where <laughs> the lady has sex with her car yeah like, it's a safe suggestion yeah because it's parents. just it's more mass audience appealing but it's not it's good it's like i was surprised at how solid it was so, okay so yeah. it's king richard yep. the tennis dad story which can be watched on it's uh, in theaters or on hbo Max for a few more weeks okay the next one you watched has a cool title but again doesn't tell me anything about the movie Tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom is on Netflix. This is a, it's based on a one man show by Jonathan Larson, who is notable for creating Rent. And he died tragically kind of right before Rent really exploded or even debuted on Broadway. Right. And this was a one man show that he wrote. And it's kind of about him. He's like the character in it. Um, writing like a workshop play, a different play and kind of the struggles that he was going with in his own life. And, you know, he had a, 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 a girlfriend who was kind of moving on with her life. And then he had also a, a big circle of friends who were, you know, caught up in the HIV epidemic and they were getting sick. And that was, you know, a big, big part of the movie. And it's notable because it's directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton fame. Um, and it's uh, it's pretty it's a pretty good uh, like movie, good, pretty good debut. Um, it's definitely not like a one man show. There's kind of like a framing a tool where like he's it's played by Andrew Garfield who was like a social network and he was a Spider-Man before the last the current Spider-Man and so like he's doing that show 
and there's like other singers, and one of the singers is Vanessa Hudgens, and she oh. also appears in the uh, other parts of the movie. So there's this framing device, but then you also are seeing scenes where, like, of the story that he's t- the stories that he's telling in song, uh, on stage, they also are like dr- dramatizing those, and then also kind of singing in those moments too. So it kind of opens it up more than just like a one man show type thing. It feels like a movie, very cinematic. Um, the move, uh, the music's okay. It's not my, mm. it wasn't my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also like, I don't love the Rent music all that much. Some of the songs, sure, but I'm not like a huge, yeah. So, I mean, in that regard, it was okay. But Andrew Garfield is great. Um, I would have pleasantly surprised by him. That's oh, not that's something cool. I would have expected him to do. And definitely not what he's done in his previous movies and stuff like that. So, yeah, he's really good. I liked him. And, uh, yeah, I think it's a it's a solid uh, directorial debut. You could definitely see why it's very Broadway centric. There's a musical number in the middle of the movie where all these like Broadway stars cameo, many of oh, which you'd okay. recognize, probably many more that you and I would not recognize. Gotcha. Um, and so, yeah, it's very very much like for Broadway people, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's certainly watchable, and I think the performances are good. So, solid. On Netflix? Solid movie. On Netflix, yeah. Tick, tick, boom. Tick, tick, boom. A um, couple other ones that are now rentable. Oh, no, there's another Netflix one. Uh, passing. We can't remember if we talked about Passing. Uh, we being you because I didn't see it. You didn't watch it. And I can't remember if I briefly talked about it in our last episode. That's how my brain works. I mm-hmm. can't even remember if I told you about it. Because sometimes I tell you about a movie and it's on the microphone. And then sometimes I tell you about the movie and we're just not. This is true. This is true. So it's yeah. very hard to remember. Anyway, Passing is, it stars uh, Tessa Thompson, who I really like a mm-hmm. lot. And Ruth Nega, who was in a movie, she was Oscar nominated in a movie called Loving, which is not a great movie, but she's good in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And they are uh, women in, uh, what, is it the 60s, 50s? I can't remember the generation. Upper class 1920s woman finds breezy refuge from a hot summer day in the grand tea room of New York City's Drayton Hotel. So it's, they are two... African-American women who Ruth Nega plays someone who lives every day passing. So she is acting as if she is a white woman. People, she will goes around and people are believing that she's a white woman. Tessa Thompson's character can do it, does it like in the beginning of the movie, but feels bad about it. And it, it, she's very conflicted about that attitude. She's married to a black man. Whereas Ruth Nega's character is married to a very racist Alexandra Skarsgård, very white dude. Who's, what? Uh, yeah. Uh, and it's based on this uh, short novella, I guess, that came out, you know, way back when. And uh, this is directed by Rebecca Hall. So that's another... She's an actress who's in various things. She's a very good actress. Um, and it's shot in black and white, which is, I think, an interesting choice because of the subject matter. And I think that it is a way of kind of... Co- um, coloring's a bad word for it, I guess, but like shading, that's also a bad word. Uh, <laughs> the conflict that they're doing, and mm-hmm. also just like you know whether or not these two women are are you're unsure of whether they are they can you know get by doing this if what you know if they can escape you know I, yeah it's a, I will it's a tell choice. you when I'm looking at the photos from yeah. from the movie, both the black and white and the color photos, like. It's a lot easier to assess like how how much um, Ruth Nega's character is passing versus Tessa's, and, uh, and I can I, see how the black and white would make that 
it, I think it, it makes sense just for, I think, in general, Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega's general skin complexion. But I also think the movie's also playing with that mm-hmm. in another way, not just like hiding casting or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I liked that. It is a very um, still movie, I guess. It's it's it, it feels a little anecdotal a little bit. I, I think that. Uh, a lot of people would maybe be a little impatient with it because it's not mm. like plot driven. It doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, there's not like this central conflict threat of them getting in. I mean, there is that threat, but it's uh, it's that I. So Ruth Nega is getting a lot of Oscar tension, and I think it's because they she was obviously previously nominated. I think she's very good in the movie. I maybe it's because I really like Tessa Thompson. Mm. I thought she has the much more difficult role. Her character is much more conflicted. Um, is her her attitudes and her allegiances shift throughout the movie? I thought she was great. Like I think it might be her best performance. I really like her, so maybe I'm I'm biased because I like her. But um, I thought that she was even stronger than Ruth. Thing is very good. I just um, yeah, the performances are really good. So yeah, another solid like recommendation. Cool. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. I watched last night in Soho which you can rent now. Um, This is Edgar Wright's movie that is a fashion-era time-loop horror movie. Eh? (laughs) Thomasin McKenzie is like this girl in London, modern-day London, who's going to fashion school. She has some past trauma, um, and she decides to rent this flat, uh, and when she goes to bed at night, she gets transported to the 60s and she kind of like is embodying uh Anya Taylor-Joy so like when she looks in the mirror she looks like Anya Taylor-Joy and she's like going through this experiences that this character had in the 60s okay crazy um Edgar Wright is a you know I I love his Cornetto trilogy with Simon Pegg um all that style and and kind of the way he you know needle drops the music and the way his movies look I really love um I thought the first half of this movie was great, and mm-hmm. then I thought the second half was kind of a disaster. Um, it just, there comes a point where it starts to spin its wheels, and then it just keeps doing the same thing, and then it has, I think, a pretty bad ending. Um, and it's just, a, it's a, it just kind of sours the, the experience a little bit. The performances are really good between the two uh, women, but... I, it's hard to kind of go into why it stops working for me without completely Spoiling giving it, it away. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, it makes me think, and I'm not the only one who said this. Um, I like, same with you know, Baby Driver was another one that Edgar Wright did without Simon Pegg, and I love the style of Baby Driver. I don't necessarily love the screenplay, and it's kind of the same thing. I kind of. Um, I do miss the collaboration between the two of them. And I don't even necessarily want Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright to like do comedies necessarily. I just think that the three that they made were not only very funny, but they were also just like really tightly constructed scripts. And this does not feel that way. He had a co-writer on this, um, but not, not Simon Pegg. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, I, I recommend, I mean, it's anytime that you have a director like Edgar Wright, I think it's worth watching. And I think it's entertaining for a long stretch. It's, good in that way i just for me it fell short a little bit but i i i I like the i like the attempt i like the swing i just didn't love the the last you know 
Yeah, it's really the whole sec. I mean, I just I, things just kind of piled up for me a little bit. I didn't. It's hard to get into without really talking about. Well, now why. I gotta watch it so I can yeah. talk to you about I'd it. I'd watch it again. Um, I might change my mind on it. Maybe I'd feel a little differently about it. Um, there's a there's a controversial. Not it's not controversial, but I think there's a group think about the 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 ending ending that is. I. I kind of agree with that assessment, but it doesn't. That's not not really necessarily the reason why it doesn't work for me. I guess. Gotcha. Okay. So it's like whatever. The 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 political answer is that this is doesn't work because of this, but I don't think that's necessarily the problem. I just think it's kind of an execution of that idea, where it gets a little muddled. Anyway, that's okay. about as vague as I can say. So where can I watch uh, Last Night in Soho by Edgar Wright? VOD. Pre, it's you know premium VOD, but it'll drop. Or, it didn't do well. It opened in the theaters but like for whatever reason they tried to market it as like a horror movie but then they put it out october 29th which is kind of late for yeah, weird horror and then yeah for whatever reason like baby driver was a big box office hit too so i'm not really sure it's pandemic i don't know yeah, exactly what's going on it's hard to tell why something doesn't work and why it why it does edgar wright is very critical he's a critical darling but then the reviews weren't great so maybe that kind of just like soured like people were like ah, i'll watch it when it goes on streaming or whatever yeah the last Um, movie that you told me that you watched recently was i saw spencer which is Mm -hmm. also uh, available now to premium rent this is Kristen stewart which we're going to talk about her twilight partner here in a little bit but um mm -hmm. uh she is playing um princess diana in this it's not a it's a story about her and her living with the royal family or you know being in the royal family right before she ended up they ended up deciding to get separated her and um prince charles charles right and the movie is like a kind of like a made-up scenario of like what happened at this like christmas while she was there and so it is a it's like a it's a it's a very much it's not not biographical in any way i mean it, it's using facts and then kind of trying to tell its own story right and it's mm. kind of about state of mind of princess diane or what she was going through the pressure of being a royal and living under the impression of a pressure of knowing that her you know relationship is obviously you know disintegrating and she wants out and all this other stuff mm-hmm. um it's from pablo lorraine who made jackie a couple oh. years ago, which is another kind of very similarly toned movie. I really like that movie. I think this one's better. Oh. Um, it Kristen Stewart's really good. It's kind of when she first comes on screen and she's doing her voice and you're just like, okay, that's distracting. But uh-huh. um, she kind of really falls into it really well. And I, I like what she does with this version of Diana and kind of the story that gets told about her and kind of the anguish that she's going through and... Um, it's very much like a, a very it's honed in on her there's there's other people that are coming in and out but she's really like the main key um, player here I think she's great like she's probably the best she, I like Kristen Stewart I think she's always been really good and she keeps proving herself that she's got this huge range of um, kind of roles that she can do and I yeah I just really uh, I I liked her in it I like kind of this anxious style of the movie the music is you know everything is you know you're definitely feeling what she would feel like in the pressure of living with these stuffy royals Mm -hmm. in this giant like castle on christmas where she's being blocked from even like seeing her own kids Mm -hmm. and 
um, yeah, it's it's really good. I I would I would recommend that. It's probably the best of the bunch here. Oh, because when you were starting to describe the plot, it sounded pretentious and obnoxious. It's not that. It's re- it really isn't. I think that um, it it you. I think the the magic of it is how quickly you're able to, and maybe that's just because it's Princess Diana and everybody loved Princess Diana, but it's very easy to kind of feel her perspective in this movie. It's very focused in on that, and I just, I think the filmmaking is smart about how it depicts her, and I think Stewart's doing just a really great job, and not necessarily how you would, you know, I don't know, who knows that that's exactly, I, I like the choice. It doesn't necessarily mean that this is how she was, or who she is, or how she was in public life, or what she felt in that moment. I just, I like the experiment of it, and it feels believable in the, in its in its execution, so I liked it. Very cool. Yeah. So to recap, King Richard, Tennis Dad. Yeah. Is a watch. It's good. Tick, tick, boom. Yeah, it's a watch. Sure. What was tick, tick, boom again? That's the Jonathan Larson. Andrew That's Garfield. the name of it. A lot of good performances connect. in all these movies, yeah. I would say. Uh, Last Night in Soho. It's okay. But, I, you know, I, mileage will vary. I think it's there's enough stylish things going on in there. It's it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's worth a watching. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The black and white uh, flick Passing. Yeah, I think its performances are really good. Princess Switch 3. <laughs> you know it. And Spencer. Kristen Spencer. Stewart probably as Princess my, Diana. Probably my favorite of all those movies. I just like, uh, okay, maybe I gotta see it to believe it. Yeah. I mean, I like Kristen Stewart. Did just, you ever watch Jackie, or is that something no, that I just watched? No, I, I feel like, like saw the trailer and I was like, nah. if for if you if for a person who watched Jackie and did not like that movie, then I don't think you would like Spencer, because mm. um, it is still kind of very much of that kind of movie that's a little bit harsher because like that movie begins with you know jackie getting b- brains on her from cool cool, cool, cool. Thing good that, transition yeah. here yeah. okay <laughs> <laughs> that wraps up our what have you been watching yeah now we get to move into the premiere film that we watched the premiere film uh-huh. harry potter and the goblet of fire from 2005 first we'll start with what do you remember then we'll do high stats and then we'll get into it Okay, can I just put one one disclaimer out right right now? I am not interested in going into whatever the fuck J.K. Rowling is doing on Twitter these days or whatever she's saying. Oh, yeah, why did you even just bring it I'm up right saying, now? I'm just saying... Why did you even bring it up right now, Tyler? I why? Just, I just don't want to bring it up later, so I'm just saying I don't want to... Why would it. it come up later? I don't know. It's it's frontline. It's on, it's on people's I minds. I know. This is the whole, like, where do you draw the line between an artist, political bullshit, and, and uh, their art? Yeah, so I'm just saying, like, yes. whatever. I'm not interested in discussing that i have no no feelings on any of that although i today i just saw you have like no a, feelings on it see no so i have now, feelings you know on, i just have no feelings on sharing it like i just it doesn't and none of that really influences how i feel about these movies gotcha so, okay that's a better way of saying yeah it. no although i was gonna say that they uh <laughs> what I, I did see something today it was just like uh some barnes and noble somewhere had a had a sign up and it was like a little display of books right uh-huh. and it was like magic books and uh-huh. stuff like that not harry potter and it was just like the the thing they put on the banner was like the unproblematic world of uh, wizarding oh <laughs> which is pretty funny oh burn. someone probably got in trouble someone probably got mad but i thought it was funny <laughs> some 17 year old made a funny joke mm-hmm. and i like it yeah i liked it too anyway all right Okay, so uh, let's kick off with what do you remember, where we sit down and jot down what we remember before we watch the movie. Did you write anything down? I don't know. Did I? No. <laughs> I don't think Here, you did. You know why? Because to be very honest, yeah. I cannot hold my hold in my memory 
the difference between all these movies. That's what I said when I, I said that uh, the kids really wanted to watch uh, the next one five like yesterday, the day before. Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, we can't until we wa- like we record because I will it'll bleed together for me and I yeah. won't be able to decipher which one was from which movie. And I didn't. It would have been fine if I had taken notes. Yeah. But this time I did not take like actual notes when I watched the movie. So yeah, it's hard to just like cold call remember what like what's the fourth one about like. Ah. I can kind of remember like the main thing. If you tell me like oh it's is the tri wizard thing I'm yeah. gonna be like oh okay oh yeah okay now I remember. But then like and then the main you know thing that'll uh-huh. happen at the end you can usually remember yes. but like no otherwise it's hard to kind of like grab a detail yeah like if you had told me that there was a holiday ball in number five instead of four i've been like yeah that sure. makes sense but uh-huh. that's seen that's four so you know so did you write down what you remember i did write down what look I remember. at you being like a full gold star participant i said harry is getting big yeah. There's a Triwizard Tournament, and Harry is sucked into competing in addition to Hogwarts student Robert Pattinson and, like, a Viking and some girl from other schools. There's a dragon and swimming and a dance and hurt feelings. Puberty! So I did remember the dance. Yeah, how did how? And I wrote puberty. Well, I, you know, I thought. I was trying to go in sequence of what happened in the last ones. I was like, it seems like I could, If you even asked me what number three was about, it's it's gone. I don't remember. That's the Alfonso Cuaron one where they're, like, going, like, that's when Sirius Black shows up and they think he's bad, but then he's, like, not bad. And the Dementors are in that one. And they I remember the Dementors, time, yeah. They'd use a time thing to go back in time to stop the thing. And then the dog thing or the dragon flying thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot. Yeah. And it's cool looking because Coral so, and Yeah. Doing. So yeah. You, you remembered a pretty good amount of that. Yeah. Sure. Before we talk about the details. Mm-hmm. Do you remember watching this for the first time in 2005? I went and saw it in the theaters. This was at the point where I, I mean, I, I think I saw all the Harry Potters. We were together at this point. Because this is 2005, and we had started dating in 2002. We probably gone, went together to see it then. Yeah. So let's actually talk about high stats, because it's sort of related The only to one that. I didn't watch without you was the first two, I think, because they were 2001, 2002, and they were at, you know. Yeah, they were when we were in high school. Okay, so Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire high stats came mm-hmm. out November 18th, 2005. That's just two days after my birthday. Okay. Now I just put my birthday out in the world. Feel free to send me goods to our P.O. Box, which you can find on our website. Not. Also, someone's going to steal your social security number, probably. Because they know my birthday. Yep. Okay. It received a PG-13 rating. Yeah, that's like the first one in the series to get the PG-13, right? Yeah, for sequences of fantasy violence and frightening images. Yes, and I am curious. I didn't know that when we started watching it. I, I, when we were showing it to our kids, my concern was like, I'm pretty sure five is where it gets a little bit darker. Mm-hmm. But then I remembered like, oh, wait, I remember the end of this movie. Is it dark before the ending? And then it turns out not really, I would say. Like, it, like it, the dark thing that happens in this movie happens at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but it sure does. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think our parenting could be called into question with uh, letting some of our kids watch a PG thirteen movie. Maybe, I Ca- guess. called into question. Called into question. I you know I hear pe- plenty of parents are letting them watch all sorts of stuff, R rated things. I know, let them play like Call of Duty and shit. So, well, yeah, but it's not about other parents. I'm always Tyler. beating it's up. About what's right for I'm our always kids. beating up a bunch of eight year olds when I'm playing Fortnite. Yikes. <laughs> Okay, so it came out November 18th, 2005. Got that PG-13 rating. Yeah. It is clocks in at two hours and 37 minutes. Lengthy. Let's talk about what it boxed. It boxed probably a lot of money like all these. It has an estimated budget of $150 million. Sure. 
It grossed in the U.S. and Canada, mm-hmm. $290 million. Mm-hmm. I mean, just from opening weekend alone, $102 million. I can't remember where if this was down or up from the third one. The third one came out in the summer. It was the first one that came out in the summer, and then this one went back to its November thing. And then I feel like the next... I know that one of the Part 7 Deathly Hallows one was summer, maybe both of them. Um, but it's hard to... I can't remember. I can't remember if there was more than just two that were Well, I wasn't prepared summer. for that question. Deathly Hallows Part 2 is a summer movie. Number 3 was a summer movie. I'm not sure if there was any of the other ones. I know 6 was fall. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know what about What I can five. tell you is that this movie, yeah. total gro- uh, gross worldwide, was almost $900 million. And I feel like there might be a couple Harry Potters that crossed a billion. It might have just been the last one. I don't remember exactly. Okay, well now I'm pulling it up. It's a lot of interrupted. Okay, okay, okay. Budget. Here we go. Total worldwide gross. Here we go. Worldwide gross. The first one grossed a billion dollars. Okay. Wait, why is it called? Oh, motion picture. What? Philosopher's Stone. Yeah, that's what they call it in the UK. We've gone over this every time. Philosopher's. That's what it's called in the UK. Yeah. That's confusing. Yeah. Chamber of Secrets. Uh, eight hundred seventy-nine million. Okay. The number three, seven ninety-seven million. Oh, okay. Goblet of Fire, almost nine hundred million. Eight ninety-six. Eight ninety-six, and then the next one goes nine forty-two, the nine thirty-four, the nine. They're all in the same range. Yeah, but gotcha. it did actually go one billion, and then down, and then down, and the number four here did get get them going back up again. Yeah. Great. Okay. Okay. Does that answer your question? Not really, but that's good. You said you didn't remember how compared to the I other ones. I want to know what it was summer. Well, yeah. Okay. That's fine. You want to know the release dates? Oh, the first one was November. Yeah. Second one was November. Yeah. Third one was May 31st. Yeah. Four here is in November. Yeah. Next one, July. Okay. That was Next the summer one. Next one, July. Okay. Deathly oh. Hallows Part 1, November. Six was a July too, huh? Yeah. And then the last one was July. So November, Deathly Hallows Part 1 was in November, then the yeah. other ones were summer. Got it. Okay. Does that answer your question? Yes, now I'm good. You know, you got to prep me for this kind of stuff. I can't just... I tried, but you came down faster than I was... Uh, I well, I got my tea, on. and you better be prepared, because you're going to have some tea time with Tyler. You took no notes, so I'm just saying. Okay, let's talk about who directed the movie, who's in the movie. So this movie was directed by Mike Newell, yep. who made Donnie Brasco, Four Weddings and a Funeral, Pushing Tin, Mona Lisa Smile. I read that off your list. I don't know half of those movies. The big one is Four Weddings and a Funeral he made, and so um, he's done some other things since this movie, but he's like was like Alfonso Cuaron. He did one and, and moved on, so uh, yeah, that's that. Steve Cloves came back to do the screenplay. He's the screenwriter on most of these movies, if not all. Maybe one of them he skipped out on. I can't remember. Um, and then everybody's back from three... Pl- uh, no uh, tree lawn... No, is it... Um, well, what? What words are coming out of your mouth? Is Emma Thompson the Trelawney professor, like the potions? She's not back in this one. No. She doesn't appear. Um, but everybody else is pretty much back. And then there are the additions of notable. You have uh, Brendan Gleeson as Mad-Eye Moody, who's mm-hmm. like the new Defense Against the Dark Arts person. Of course. Um, you have Miranda Richardson, who comes in as Rita Skeeter, the journalist. Um, journalist. Can you call her a journalist? She's a tabloid journalist. Yeah, boo. She's a she's yeah, she's it's a tabloid for sure. Always trying to see if Harry's macking on Hermione, even though they're not, they don't feel that way towards each other. Um and then we have Robert Pattinson as mm-hmm. Cedric. Diggory, Cedric Diggory. He's another student, older student of Harry who's in the tournament. And then a uh, big notable one is Ray Fiennes, who appears at the end of this, finally, as Voldemort. You wrote Ralph human. Fiennes. Yeah, it's, that's how he spells his name, but it's, people say Ray. Ray oh, Fiennes. really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 
Ralph yeah, Fiennes. great casting as yeah. Voldemort. Perfect. I mean, great cat. I mean, yeah, and it's uh, he's only in about five, maybe five, ten minutes of this, but man, it makes an impression right off the bat. It's um, is he not? I mean, I guess Voldemort doesn't really have a, a full body. No, he doesn't fully appear until he's played by other. Well, yeah, but people he, and those just, other ones. Yeah, it wasn't like a full version. Because, like in my brain, yeah, he's Voldemort through the whole. Well, yeah, thing. But, yeah, he doesn't actually appear until this movie. Yeah, so. that's uh, a little surprising. Wait, what about for flashbacks? No, they just have him off screen. They never. Oh, you cast can't it. see him. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay, look at you remembering things. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's the kind of the notable cast additions. But then yeah, you've got Daniel Radcliffe and Emma Watson and. Uh, What's his face, Ron? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, Rupert Grint, sorry. Uh, you know, and then uh, it's uh, Michael Gambon as Dumbledore after he took over from, he did three, but um, before so Richard back. Harris. Yep. Uh, the big bummer of this movie is two, ah, it's three. So Gary Oldman is back as Sirius Black, but he only Barely. appears really. in a CGI fireplace yep. and then a voiceover. And then I would say that, like, Maggie Smith and um, Alan Rickman are... They're in the movie, but they don't have a lot to do here. No. And so they don't get a lot. Like, there's a couple okay scenes and one decent Snape scene, but otherwise it's kind of like a sit-out one yeah. for, for those two, unfortunately. Yeah. Which is a bummer, but um, that's okay. Because there's a lot of people going on. So, yeah, like I, we kind of mentioned in the beginning, um, it's the Triwizard Tournament. So there's a goblet, and these it's a tradition for these two other schools to come, and you put your name in there to see if you're going to Sir, compete. it's not just a goblet. It's a goblet of fire. It's a goblet of fire. You right. can't just, like, skip the fire part. But there's, like, stuff going on, so that, like, nobody under 18 or under 17 can compete. It's only, like, one kid per school, which seems, like, really exclusionary. I don't know. Just, like, a lot going on It's here. a lot of effort. So they invite the schools for the whole school They're year. for the whole year, yeah. I feel like to they... Hogwarts. Yeah. And then, so, for a whole year event, we're doing something that focuses on one kid per school. And it's, like, three events that three both days. take place. Three days for one whole school year. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it would be... They could do it over a long weekend. <laughs> yeah, but it's really less about the competition and right. more about the camaraderie and building those relationships and blah, 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 blah. So, anyway, um, long story short, there's a kid selected from each school, including Cedric Diggory. That's Robert Pattinson's character. He's in the um, same house as uh is he a gryffindor or is he not a gryffindor i don't even remember i don't remember if he's in the same house as harry but um he's selected and then there's like victor crumb who's like the 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 viking type guy and then cedric is a hufflepuff he's a hufflepuff yeah. and then fleur is the gal which this movie like makes a big deal of like them being all an all-female school and, like, Ron and Harry and all the other kids are just, like, fawning over them when they walk in. There's a weird shot with all their butts, which seems weird to yep, me. Yep, yep. It's like a real focus in, and you're children. like, cool, 13-year-olds' butts Some of them might sexualized. be 17, Even still. Yeah, anyway, a little weird. But uh, it's hard when you're trying to capture that, like, uh, awkward middle school crush experience of a teenage boy. Would have been fine without the close-up on the butts. Would have been fine. Yeah, you could do that without that. I, okay, yeah, yeah, I agree. That was pretty easy. Could have just been the same exact thing, minus the butts. Yeah, you're right. I Odd. agree. Um, so then, um, you know, the, you put your name in the thing and it burns up and it, like, puts it in or whatever. No one is allowed, if you're under 17, to do it. 
uh, the Weasley brothers. I mean, we 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 jumped over the part where they're at the Tri Wizard tournament at the beginning, but whatever, that's fine. It's cool, but it's like a thing. You mean at the Quidditch tournament thing? Right, Tri Wizard is the whole other thing. Yeah, they're at the Quidditch Quidditch World Cup, and that's when like the Death Eaters come back. Like that's mm-hmm. Voldemort's like dudes, and they're causing trouble. You know, that's what they're all. That's what prompts this whole fear of like something going on in the Tri Wizard tournament. Like, oh, there's some nefarious shit going around. Right? What are they called, Death Eaters? They like to eat death. I don't know. I'm sure it's in the books. I'm sure it is. Uh, I haven't. I don't think I've read this book. I feel like we've read all the books, but it's I've been read at least five, years. six, seven. I don't know if I really remember reading uh, those middle ones. So. Gotcha. You're like movies covered it. Check. I didn't even. I mean, yeah. I, the only reason I I feel like I only what read six and seven was because those movies weren't out yet or something. I was yeah. like, well, I gotta see what happens. So. Yeah. <laughs> You're um, like, I'm super invested. Um, but anyway, there's three people selected, but then a fourth name gets pooped out, and it's Harry, and everybody's pooped like, out. what the hell? Yeah, it gets pooped out of the fire. And everybody's like, wait, he can't compete. He's a cheater. He's underage. He's a cheater. Oh, yeah. Ron, like, the one, the more, the most annoying thing about this movie is how Ron is, like, pissy toward Harry for, like, I don't know, a half hour or half the Super school Super pissy. Because he thinks that, like, he cheated and got into the And he thing. thinks that, like, Harry did it without telling him. He's like, you know, it's one thing to do it, but then you'll not even tell me that you're doing it. Mm-hmm. But after all you've been through together, you guys. You like, don't believe him? Like, yeah. when he says he didn't put his name in there. What what part of Harry, like, Hermione? Sure. She is knows what she's doing, and she seems like she would want to compete, maybe. I could see her maybe putting her name yeah, in. Yeah, well, she has a history Harry. of being a little sneaky sometimes. But not Harry. Harry's not sneaking into the competition. Why would he want that? He doesn't want that pressure. He already is noted, notable mm-hmm, for all this mm-hmm, other stuff. Mm-hmm. So it is weird that they're like, he gets like ostracized and everybody hates him. And like a whole school seems to like dislike him for a yeah, while. Yeah, they're all shitting on him. It doesn't make any sense. And it's like, also the thing you want to remember is like, this guy survived getting killed by Voldemort. Like... And also helped your school several times from utter disaster. He's probably, like, pretty, like, magically strong. So Mm -hmm. maybe, like, don't cross him. I don't know. What if he turns bad? Yeah, what? Yeah. What if he's the other side of the coin to Voldemort? Like, people. Exactly. Watch out. Maybe don't be shit on him for something he clearly didn't, uh, he says he didn't do it. So, Mm -hmm. but anyway, there's rules. And so he's got to compete. I don't know. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I mean, the Goblet of Fire has spoken. You you just got to listen. But we find out later that it was, like, it was a sabotage. So if you can sabotage the Goblet of Fire, then I guess it's not like this, like, be-all, end-all magic magic thing that, like, you must abide. Like, well, no, someone clearly, like... Do they explain ever? Yeah, they do. Um, What's the explanation? They... they I feel like it was a lot of throwaway line. The Timothy Spall character who's posing as Mad-Eye Moody is the one who put the name in. And you think it's Mad-Eye Moody because this movie's doing the thing with, like, oh, is the Dark Arts teacher going to be bad again? And it does seem like that at the end, but then, no, he's got a polyjuice still. We're jumping all over the place, but, but yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. The point is, is that there's a lot going on, and this is where these movies get really, they start getting really dense. Yes. Um, it's a lot going on, um, but what I will say is that while there's a lot of details going around, this is a pretty easy, straightforward premise. Yeah. It's like there's three things. There's three challenges. Three things. Mm-hmm. And then... I mean, although I do have questions about how the challenges actually work. And again, it's probably in the book. So, yeah, you got... The first one is this... uh, You got to get this egg from a dragon. And Mm -hmm. they all get different dragons. And Harry, of course, gets the shitty dragon. Mm -hmm. Like, he's the mean-ass dragon. Mm -hmm. They make a point of saying that, right? Um, And if you don't get the egg, then you don't get the clue to the second thing. 
or are you out if you don't get the egg? Unclear. Unclear. In the movie. In the movie. Let's only talk about the movie because we, we only have what they've given us in the yeah. movie. So then my question is, um, so the, the egg is the clue and it has a little thing in there that tells you what the the um, event's going to be for number two. Well, but, through a, via a riddle, yes. But my, my question about that is like, it's not just like, every, <laughs> I don't know how to explain this, but like. You don't have to figure if one person figures it out or like you, you don't have to figure it out because you should be like, hey, there's people gathering at the lake for uh, this next event. I guess it has something to do with the lake. <laughs> like, But that could be anything. And you just show up and then it's just like, okay, we'll jump in. And it's just like, oh, okay, we got to go down and. You have to be prepared. You have to hold your breath for a hundred minutes or some shit. Yeah. You I can't mean, just I... nilly willy do that. You have to have a plan. They're students. They can't just like come up with this on the fly. And they all come up with different plans for breathing underwater. Yeah, pretty much. You right? have to know that if you just showed up, you're dead. You're like you're out. So like, but my question is, is like, does does everybody else know? Who everybody else? <laughs> like the pe- There's a big crowd. No, Why they're, are they they're at the told lake? where to go, and not everybody's at the lake. A lot of people are at the lake. Not 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 everybody. And then the other thing is, is that. This seems shitty. Like, yes, this is the second t- tournament. Yeah, they're like, you. We're gonna take something. You have to recover something that you cherish. And in all four cases, it's a person, mm-hmm. which is weird. <laughs> like, because it seems like they're in very real danger from these mermaids mm-hmm. down at the bottom and from of the, drowning. the lake. They could drown. They're mm-hmm. being held under there, but they could drown. Or it doesn't seem like if you don't get your person, they're not gonna come up. So like. You didn't sign up for the like those people didn't sign up for that, and of course it's like also like all of our three main characters because Victor Crumb is like into Hermione, mm-hmm. and Harry chooses Ron because they've made up, I guess I don't know, or he didn't choose Ron; they just get taken away, mm-hmm. and then I don't remember the other one. The other's is. little sister. The other's little sister. That's right. What was the fourth one? Yeah, the Harry's love interest. Oh yeah, that's because oh, she yeah. went with Victor to the dance. She didn't go with Victor. I mean, she went with uh, Diggory. Cedric. Mm-hmm. Cedric. Okay, to the that's dance. right. Yeah. It's all uh, their dance partners. That's weird. Sort of. Kind yeah. of. It's weird. Know. Yeah. It's, yeah. So Ron. Ron basically was his dance partner because they ended up sitting in the corner the whole time, losers. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just like, it seems like a shitty thing to like be like the person to cherish because it seems like you're in very real danger. Meanwhile, like, well, if they don't, if because if you lose, like if Harry loses that challenge, he's just like, oh, well, I can't breathe underwater. And like, there's no, con- he's out, I guess. Or not, by the way. Uh... But the person under the water, like, they're dead. dead. <laughs> like, does someone go get them? Nope. Does, like, Dumbledore go down there and nope. help them? I don't know. It's very weird. Uh, yeah. And then, yeah, it's the other thing. So then the first one, you had to get the thing to get the clue. And in the mm-hmm. second one, you don't even have to really, like, get your person because the reason why Harry gets attacked by the mermaids is because he grabs two people because one of them fails or whatever. And it's not about, like, like... It was the order in which they go into the third one, or they have more time or something like that. So it goes from, like, you get a clue to the second one, you you go into the, whoever gets done first gets more time in the maze, I suppose. Was that what it was? I think so. Otherwise, like, you're in the first position. They What's were not making this explicit. It was like, <laughs> they're like, we assume you've read the books, assholes, and if not, don't question the rules of this, the point scoring, or how, how you win the game. Well, the only thing that matters is then if you get the cup. Find the cup. Yeah, you so win. like, it, it just any any tournament that makes the first part, the first games, 
not you know inconsequential mm-hmm. is fucking annoying like is this really a whole like there's it doesn't fucking matter it's like when they triple the points on family feud yes that is exactly <laughs> what i was thinking it's like why do we have all these other family feud puzzles only the last one fucking matters pretty much yeah. it's a waste of our time yeah i don't like it, it no it's obnoxious it punishes it's you very for... frustrating yeah so um you know anyway the dragon stuff's pretty cool um, that's a good sequence, action mm-hmm. sequence. And uh, it still holds up, like, visually, you know, 15 yeah, they, years later. they kind of fixed this Quidditch problem was in the first movie, especially. It definitely looks better. Um, yeah, the visual effects hold up pretty well. It works well with the palette out there. Um, you know, the, the, the darker tones, it's, you know, nothing's, like, in the bright, bright sunlight. Any, um, and then the water thing is all right. Um, it is a weird thing where, like, by far the most visually interesting, uh, part of this tournament is the first one because you're fighting a dragon seems mm-hmm. like a dragon would be like last mm-hmm. like a dragon fighting a dragon that's kind of a big deal it seems like it going through a maze that's kind of like first task kind of level but is a really scary maze though. is it that scary i don't know now is the other question i had so the third thing is this maze. we probably should have just read the book yeah well this is answer all of our questions old remembers remember books now or was it old remembers remember movies boom <laughs> in your face harry potter so there's a thing here where you can get incapacitated or you get confused or Victor Crumb gets, like, possessed. There's a lot of weird shit going on in this maze where it's changing and uh, if you get incapacitated, you get eaten up by the thing, but you're supposed to shoot your wand off if something bad happens. That was all confusing. And, like, the girl, she gets, like, taken and it seems like, but then Harry shoots off his wand. Or was it her wand? I was so confused. It's not a good cut there either. I was unsure about what was going on there. And then, yeah, it turns out that none of this is even, like, none of it really even matters. Because even if, so, that's the thing about the third task that I find super lame. If it was not sabotaged, if this was just the thing, it was just like, they got to the cup. And then, like, you get the cup and that's it. And I don't know, this seems really anticlimactic. Now, of course, it's been sabotaged, and so we get a whole extra sequence, but if it wasn't sabotaged, it's like, whoever came up with this, who was in charge of the Triwizard Tournament? The Goblet of Fire, apparently. Goblet of Fire needed to have some better <laughs> ideas. And then how often does this happen? Is this the only one that we see in the franchise? Is this like an every 10 years thing? Is this mm-hmm. like an every 20 years thing? Is it just whenever the Goblet of Fire feels like it? Or is it like, oh, I got a good idea for a third task this year? Mm-hmm. Or or what? I'm just curious. And then is the and then so are they? Who who's in charge of all this? I want to know. Is it Dumbledore and the professors who are like, hey, Ron and Hermione, let's put you under the ocean? Or is like, is it the Ministry that's involved in this? What's going on here? Who's sanctioning all this? Who's running the big stands? Who gets to go to the thing? Yeah, this is the Do problem. Do they sell concessions? This is the problem of shoving all this. You know, a whatever. 700 page book whatever it is into a two and a half hour movie are you selling concessions to a dra- a thing where you're going to fight a dragon in which you could get burned to a crisp are you selling concessions to a thing thing if you are got some kids that are stuck under the water and can drown or are you just there to like cheer and if so that feels weird why are students there cheering it on because they they're cheering on their school die. It's a competition. It's weird. Quidditch, there's like a set of rules, and there's like no one is supposed to die in the Quidditch. Apparently there's points. It's a whole fucking thing, but they just skimmed over in the bo- in the movie. Okay, there's points? Yeah. So what do the points matter if you just find the goblet in the middle of the maze? I don't know. I didn't actually... I don't know. It's stupid. Okay. I think we can agree that the movie does fail to 
give those details because it doesn't have six hours to provide them. So, yeah, and I, there's a lot going on here. I already said that it kind of hurts the um, Snape and your um, Maggie Smith, all mm-hmm. that. You don't get a lot of that kind of stuff in this movie. I do also feel like um, outside of the sequence we'll talk about separately, uh, Hermione doesn't get a ton to do here, really. It's very Harry-focused, this particular installment. Yep. And that's okay. It's just that um, I, I think they, you know, they work best when they're kind of playing off each other. I think yep. that's why the best part of this movie is when they are frontlined and foregrounded. Um, and yeah, I like, um, you know, this is a very common, you know, usually when there's a new professor, new character coming in, you do spend a lot more time with them. So you do get a lot of good Mad-Eye Moody. This is a good, like, it's good Brendan Gleeson performance. The eye is kind of cool. It's got that wacky eye. He teaches them, I think, is a pretty good sequence. This is good, like, pretty... I mean, you know it's, like, setting up stuff for later, but it is a good sequence of, like, what are the three uh, spells that are, like, forbidden? Mm-hmm. And he teaches them in the early parts of the movies. Like, some people think we shouldn't teach you them. I say different. I like all that. You get a little taste of what um, those are, and that's, like, a torture one. Um, what's his face? Nelville Longbottom. He... He has a little bit more to do. He honestly has about... Longbottom has more to do in this than... Than Ron. And yeah. Ron just gets to be a little bitchy-poo at the beginning. It's and fucking then, annoying. And then, yeah. So then, yeah, it's it's the kill spell, it's the torture spell, and it's like the... Control, mind control. Mind control spell. And so all of which um, come into play. And he makes Neville watch the torture one. And yes. you and, and Neville's parents were this... Was used on his parents. And yeah. so it's very hard for him to watch even the spider being tortured. So I like, you know, it's a good use of Brendan Gleeson. Um, it is a little bit weird that we don't... And it's a, actually kind of more of a shortcoming later in the series. Because in this movie, he's never playing that character. He's The only time we really see him is when the bad guy is posing as him, right? Mm-hmm. So then it's only in future movies do we see like the, how Mad-Eye Moody really is. Mm-hmm. And because he's not like the frontline person in that movie, he's not developed as much. Yep. And then, of course, he gets kind of off early in seven. So um, he doesn't Yikes, get... spoiler. Sorry. <laughs> well, it's kind of like this thing, and that's the, the bummer, too, because I knew about the fate... Sorry, you know, spoilers for the 15-year-old movies, but I knew from reading the book that, like, Sirius Black is out after five. Mm-hmm. And so when the movies are out, I was just like, well, he's not even in this. Like, it sucks to get Gary Oldman for three not use him in four and then he's back for five and he's got a good arc in five but then it's it that's it for no more serious black and so that's kind of the bummer of like bringing all these people in um hey maggie smith she gets some stuff to do toward the end but it's even in five it's a whole other dark arts teacher that kind of is the front line of that one too so um yeah it's just it's it's an abundance of riches and it's that's kind of the, the sacrifice you have when you uh when you cast and have good characters but they don't get to they don't get to have such huge uh moments so yeah even malfoy's only got like one scene yeah his dad the big 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 malfoy jason isaacs has actually has more screen time in this movie Mm -hmm. um, because he's a death eater he's in the end and so he has more to do in this than the little shitbag one Mm -hmm. uh, tom felton and um yeah there is a little bit of hermione stuff i kind of like with her trying to still be Harry's friend and trying to help him while Ron was being shitty. It seems like she's the only one who's kind of being supportive of him a little bit. But then again, it also gets the sense of like, they're just trying to add her 
I mean, I think you and I are on record as saying, like, who's the best Harry Potter character? It's obviously Hermione. Yeah, everybody There's knows that. really only... She's the one that you definitely want to have on your side at all times. She's the one who knows everything. Like, you're basically hopeless without her. So, and I think maybe the franchise knows this a little bit, or they, the stories know this, because they know, like, well, if it was Hermione, wouldn't it really be a conflict? Because she knows what she's doing, whereas Harry Potter doesn't really know what she's doing, and Ron is completely hopeless. Mm-hmm. So... What did you think about, like, the dance? Okay, so I wanted to talk about this separately. I think the dance, which is a Christmas dance, it's a Christmas Eve tradition. Again, weird. So they're here all year. Usually, and we've learned in previous movies and books, that almost everybody goes home for Christmas, right? Um, Harry doesn't because he doesn't want to go back to those shitty Mm -hmm. uncle and aunt, right? But um, usually people go home. Well, not this year. This year, there's a dance on Christmas Eve. Shitty timing. No one wants a Is dance Is it also because like, things are more dangerous? Things maybe, are happening? Maybe that's part so of it. So they don't want to send all the kids out and about? But I think that, regardless of the logic of that, um, I think this is... Because um, right from the beginning of this movie, when you're watching it, you're like, well, these kids are... They're not little kids anymore. Like, they're the aging kid, up. They're, ta- they're taller... Ron is looking weirder by the second, uh, <laughs> the awkward teenager looking, uh, you know, they're just getting older and, they, mm-hmm. and it's very apparent. And I think that, um, it's a very smart play to lean into this. I know it's in the book, but like, I think this is the best sequence in the movie. This, uh, kind of 15 minute break where we have this dance. Victor is taking Hermione. Ron wanted to take, uh, a- Hermione. He asked her, and she had already been asked by Victor and had said yes. So she was pissed at Ron for that. Yeah, but no, Harry wanted to ask the girl that Cedric Diggory took. Yeah, whatever her name was. And he doesn't get to do that. And so he takes one of the twins, uh, who's they seem lovely, by the way. Um, <laughs> and yet Ron and Harry are awful toward them. Yeah, they're little shits, um, aren't they? But yeah, I just, I like this leaning into them being like teenagers and awkward and this jealousy moving around, and I I really like how, for whatever reason, both Ron and Harry are just, like, sitting on the sidelines. Their dates are miserable, and it's clearly because Ron is having these very mixed feelings about Hermione being with somebody, and Harry is, I don't know, in English over all the millions of things that Harry yeah. Potter is usually well, in English and over. Harry has a crush on Cho, yeah. is her name, and she's went with Cedric as you said yeah so they're feeling miserable and I feel like the movie does a really great job of kind of like just displaying the awkwardness and misery of that and like there's like scene there's a there's a great little shot of like when Hermione's leaving or whatever and there's like another girl crying on the steps steps with her friends around her and it's just so like perfect for like a middle school early high school drama Mm -hmm. and it just kind of capitalizes on that and it almost feels like this it's the biggest conflict that we see with all these inner these three people and it's it's a sequence where they're getting to interact and have conflict and fight and that's one of the reasons why i really like um i wouldn't i was so mad when they broke up uh the, the last book into like two movies like that's bullshit we don't need to do this right but what it gave you was that that first deathly hallowed movie is so much of ron harry and hermione together and like conflicting having issues and i was like this is good stuff and so um, that's good. This is why um, uh, that casting at the beginning is just it, it continues to pay off. Mm-hmm. Like they are, they get better in every movie acting wise, right? But like that was not a guarantee. No, that's the thing. Like 
when you get kid actors, like, oh, God, that and can go real periods, bad. And, yeah. and the thing is, yeah, that we, I mean, we joke about how they look different in Ron's growing up awkwardly, but they still look like versions of them. Like, they don't... There's, there's a lot of luck that kind of went into this, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, they, they look the part still, and I think that all three of the actors cared about getting better and doing a nice job, and, mm-hmm. and, and there was a lot of care putting on making sure these performances were good as they went on. And I think, you know, Daniel, I think they all talked about how it was important to them to, like, be able to pull off some of the heavier stuff that would come later, and so that came with them having to, you know... Level up their acting skills. Yeah, they had to get better time, at yeah. what they are doing, right? They can't get by with being cute kids anymore. Yep. They have to be actors, and so... Um, yeah, I just think that's the remarkable thing about this franchise more than anything is like, well, two things. It's just like the A casting of all the adult characters just like across the board. Amazing, right? Mm-hmm. And then, and that's what money will give you. But then like getting these three, the, getting these three, and, and a lot of the other side characters too. I mean, I think Longbottom is, he's good at that, what that is. One of my favorite characters shows up in number five. That's Luna Lovegood. She's terrific in that, you know, her little stuff. And I just, I think a lot of this works really well because of these casting choices and the work that they do. So my fav, by far, I think the best part of the Goblet of Fire is this dance scene. It's so awkward. It's great. Yeah. And it just feels like a real school for like a real school for a little bit. Mm-hmm. There's not, doesn't matter. Like it just, it's almost, and it, it's like almost an app. It's like an interlude. It's between all these other things. Mm-hmm. There's no mention of Voldemort, right? It's just like, it's that. So, all right. So that's the best part. And then I think the other big major part to talk about here is the ending. Yeah. So we reveal that there's a sabotage at the end of the cup. Uh, the two other school people are out. Um, and Diggory, Robert Pattinson, and Harry, like, touch the cup at the same time after, like, having a little scuffle over who should go first. And they lost well, themselves. Cedric like tripped and was like getting attacked, and Harry Harry had a choice to like go back and help him or let him basically lose. Lose, but like it ends up being a terrible like I I I do I think it is handled a little bit in unfortunately with number movie five is that that's the biggest book and there's a lot that has to get done in that and it doesn't leave a lot of room for Harry to kind of explore. I, I, I mean, we're talking ahead, but, like, I could have used more of, like, that decision. Because, like, if he had just let him get tangled up by the weeds, he'd get kicked out to the front, and none of this other shit with Voldemort would have happened. Um, and he wouldn't have been dead. But Harry but Potter might have been dead. Harry Potter might have been dead. He definitely, his ghost form helps. We'll talk about that in a See? minute. See? So, I mean, um, Harry Potter would probably have been dead. Maybe, yeah. So, anyway, it's this big... Uh, the trap basically it's the uh death eaters have used this magical power to bring back a respawn of voldemort it's based off of this uh nightmare that we saw at the beginning of the movie that turned it's you know it's, it plays like a real scene with a snake and everything that's kind of the introduction of all that stuff here um but we, it's a harry potter nightmare it turns out that's really happened and mm-hmm. here's ray finds as voldemort without a nose and it is uh it's chilling creepy as fuck yeah Chilling. i mean i think when the casting was announced it was just like yeah perfect like mm-hmm. there's no other like there's no other person right and he's it's great and it's just enough like the nose thing the paleness the all way of it he is moves just, his body just yeah it's just another like a casting like oh a plus. yeah yeah and yeah yeah he you know this is a lot because it's like a big reveal and a lot of these movies do this like there's a big blah 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 exposition 
dump, mm-hmm. something happens, and it this works probably better than it, many or most of them because it's so like dynamic and here's this villain here's the big bad finally and it has to be big right because this is like the big bad of the whole series Mm -hmm. so it has to be theatrical it has to be giant and it's not giant and like cgi mayhem reaction it's just like nope here's ray fines walking in and he's scary as fuck and he kills robert pattinson in a second without even thinking twice and harry potter is about to get off himself and so it's uh it's pretty intense i think this is where most of this pg-13 business comes from uh, killing of, uh, of kind of a student character, and then yeah, obviously just this uh, uh, this crazy villain. So, what were your thoughts on the ending of the movie? It's shocking, and so you're like, "Oh, this shit is for real." Yeah, this is kind of a point of no return for the series, and that's why you and I are like a little bit nervous about showing the kids because now this is like death is going to become more of a normal occurrence in the mo- in the movies, and so I mean, yeah, I mean, there's a big. There's a, a few big offings here yeah. coming up. So. And there's a really creepy scene there at the end where, like, uh, the worm guy, whatever his name is. The Timothy Small character. Yeah, is, like, helped in Voldemort become. Yeah. I am becoming. And, yeah, that's what he does. Uh, so he throws him in this big cauldron, and he's, like, almost this, like, fetus yeah, half person. <laughs> and that's fucking disturbing. They make vaccines out of that. Jesus, Tyler. <laughs> So that's disturbing because he's like flopped in there and it's gross. It's very effective. Yuck. Our kids were freaked out by that. Yeah, that was the gross. point where I was like, oh, shit. I think we might have made a mistake here. Yeah. Luckily, uh... our kids were kind of blah, blah, blah talking and they kind of like missed. I don't know if you noticed this. There was like a scene where they like spend probably 10 seconds on on Cedric's like dead body with his open eyes. Yeah. And our kids were not looking at the screen and were like chatting. And I was like, perfect, because that visuals is disturbing well, i'm trying to think it because like even in five when spoiler alert again serious black gets off it's very like because it's like kind of like a description in the movie he like goes through like a a door it's very like I can't even remember it it's very like abstract a little bit and to the point where when i saw it i was like well, what the fuck that was up in here a little weird um it's not like this um this is this is more like mm, and then there's a dead body, and then yeah. he has to take it back with him to the yeah. Which is just more more intense than mm-hmm. than you know is is common with this kind of thing. So, yeah, it's a good sequence. And the only problem with that is that you get this. I think this is a little bit too much for this movie to do, which is like the Mad Eye reveal is after that. Yeah, but it's I, not that not Timothy Spall. It's that other guy. It's like the son David of David Tennant. Yeah, David Tennant. That's right. Yeah. I'm getting these guys confused, villain-wise. Yep. They're another Death Eater. It turns out he, like the Ministry's son was like this Death Eater, and he was posing as Mad Eye the whole time. I think I said Timothy Swell before. That was wrong. He is the Wormtail guy. No, like that. This happens after we meet Voldemort, and after all this stuff happens, and then we have to get this lengthy kind of. And it's a good Brendan Gleeson like reveal scene. He's kind of like cornered him in his office, and there's a little bit of intensity there. But it is just, like, a little bit too much for this movie to kind of bite onto after you've had this reveal. Because the movie feels like it should be kind of over. And then we're like, oh, yeah, I forgot. We still have to deal with this, like, We have part. to explain, like, how we got here. And that's the it, thing. it works because it's, like, going back and explaining, like, how the hell did this get happen? Yeah, and it's, like, the... But, like, that's the thing I'm saying. Like, even Brendan Gleeson is Mad-Eye. He, you see him at the bottom of this trunk... And he like says like ah, and then, uh, but you don't. He doesn't actually have a scene, so you don't actually see how this guy really is. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So, but it's weird. But then the movies kind of rely later on of like him being an ally to Harry Potter, mm-hmm. even though like what we see of that is mostly just the imposter being yeah, the ally. It's, it's a, a little bit. It's weird. a little odd. Because I, I don't think he's back at the school. He's just working um, for the ministry. Well, and well eventually, this movie is less yeah. about the school and it's more about the war or whatever, mm-hmm. right? So, yeah, and then you know, the people leave on their boat. I don't know. It's, and you get the typical kind of ending of this thing and Hermione's like everything's gonna change or whatever I guess that's true oh yeah but... and that's the tagline of the movie yeah it is uh I was gonna quiz you on this everything is about to change yeah kind of already did already kid died oh no it's the tagline of this movie what's funny is that um this is where a lot of the allegorical stuff really starts pick, pick, picking up because if I recall a lot of what happens after this movie is like, well, did that really happen? Or what did Harry Potter see? We don't believe that he saw Voldemort. There's a lot of people that don't believe him. Mm. There are people who deny that that's what happened. And so there's just like this lot of like denial of truth. And then the the um, dark arts character in the number five is, you know, she's a ministry person. There's a lot more. This has become, becomes a lot less, less of a children's adventure fantasy after these uh, these moments so it's a big transition so i guess everything's about to change is kind of right hermione but maybe you're a little hour late i don't know maybe you should have said it right before robert patented that i'm like oh man hermione knows everything she even knows and this is gonna happen so yeah yeah that's a lot it's a lot going on in this movie two and a half hours it's these movies are always weird too on how like they move through seasons of the school year yeah it's just like because then it kind of feels like not a lot is happening and then you're like oh it's clearly winter oh now it's clearly spring i don't know it's just weird it is weird that it does like i don't think seven does that obviously um five is tough in the movie because it's such a big book but Mm -hmm. then there's just the main crux of the movie is one specific thing and so then that has to like kind of double as this length of the school year but it's it's hard it's hard in movie form right Mm -hmm. but um yeah it's just it's tough once the books get big but i don't know i i like um i like aspects of all of them i just Mm -hmm. one thing i noticed um as i was watching this was um knowing (laughs) that like neville dies in the end or near the end he doesn't die yeah he doesn't fucking survive neville longbottom yeah he survives no he sacrifices himself no he cuts the snake's head off no. He survives. Does he? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. There's Does other the... people that die, but he survives. You know, one of the Weasley brothers dies. Stop spoiling everything. Longbottom does not die. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I thought he did. Oh, he cuts the snake's head off. Nagini or whatever. He survives. I don't know. Are you sure? Yes. No. No, you're right. <laughs> Are you sure? He survives. I swear to God, he died. I did. I literally did. Live or die. (laughs) He lives. He survives. Does Neville survive? Yeah, he survives. Come on. Of course he survived. Okay. (laughs) For some reason, I was feeling sad the entire movie because I had it in my head that he died. I was like, oh, "Oh, man, he's going to die. He's a hero. He's a big I remember him being the, like, hero and saving the day, but then I felt... Thought I remembered him dying. This is why eyewitness testimony cannot no, be trusted. No, you lose other people, but you don't lose him. Okay, I thought that like he still saved the day, but then like, nope, it's all good, baby. Wait, I'm so confused. <laughs> it's 
should just watch all the movies at once and you don't have to be confused anymore. Or read the book. I don't know. Because then I see something that's like, he killed Neville. Like, what's happening? He killed Neville? Who killed Neville? No one killed Neville. He's fine. He makes it. Okay. He's out of there. Neville ends up marrying Hannah Abbott and becomes the herbology professor at Hogwarts. Of course he did. Okay. I knew that right all along. That's what I said. I said he gets marries that Hannah lady and then he's a professor or something. I said yeah. that exactly. I know all the Harry Potter lore. Yeah. He makes it. Let's talk about all the other characters that die. No. <laughs> we'll get there eventually. Spoiled. Well, I'm glad I brought that up because now I can breathe a little. I was very upset. Easy. Yeah. Which one of those Weasley brothers dies? Like, it doesn't remember. matter. Fred. Johnny. What it's Fred or Charlie. Char- <laughs> Charlie. Isn't his name Charlie? Fred and... Um, Isn't Ging- it Charlie? Ginger. Ginger. <laughs> Weasley Brothers. Oh my God. You and I should not have a podcast. <laughs> well, not, we shouldn't have a Harry Potter podcast. No. People are going to be mad. Fred and... Arthur? George? No. George and... George is... It's George Charles. Is Charles. No, that's the older brother. <laughs> oh God. George is the dad. George, Fred and George. It's it Fred is? and George. What's their dad's name? Well, then they have their older brother, Charles. Bill? Bill? <laughs> Arthur. Arthur Weasley. That's yeah. the dad. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and it's Fred who gets killed. Spoiler alert. Jeez. Which one's Fred? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Yikes. Uh, We're awesome. Goblet of Fire. Is he like, is the goblet, where's the Goblet of Fire go after this? Is it always Back to lit the closet. Up? But like, is it? No, is he it, lit it, didn't he? He lit it as in, in the beginning of the movie. Dumbledore. Dumbledore lit it. Where does the goblet of fire go? Yeah. Afterwards. Does it go in a? Yeah. Does it go in a closet? Is it scheming up its th- things it's gonna do, or does the who comes up with all this stuff? I want to know how this this cup works. Yeah, it's unclear. I don't know. I just think I just want to know, like. It's very this magic. You have to follow the rules of the magical thing, but it can be like sabotaged, and people have to come up with like the like. Does it send like a? Does it shoot out like a schematic for like? Okay, if you're gonna have crowds, you gotta have it lined up like here, and if you're gonna have a maze, I want the maze to be like this. Or does it like conjure all that stuff itself? What what is it doing? Who's building this stuff? Is it being conjured with magic, or is someone having to go construct so, it? So, question for you: Do you have these questions, or are you asking these questions of the movie, or 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 what's happening here? What are you doing? I don't know. Because <laughs> if you have questions, you can read the book for those answers. I could. Or you can criticize the movie for not leaving you satisfied about questions that I'm might seem common. I'm just, I have questions. I want to know. Then read the book. No, I kind of like thinking that it's a sentient goblet. <laughs> that it's like coming up with this stuff on its own. It's okay. like, hey, Dumbledore, it's time for the Triwizard Tournament. All right. Can you feed me some papers so that I can give you some schematics? <laughs> okay. I like the voice you've given it. Maybe as that's well. why it takes a whole year because he's like, okay, this is a big magical thing. We got to like set this whole thing up or whatever. It feels like the mate, like, I don't know. Like, it's hard for the movie to depict this, but like, it seems like they get to the center of that maze pretty fast, too. Doesn't seem that hard. Well, yeah. <laughs> it's a movie. We can't spend 30 minutes watching them go. This isn't the labyrinth. The Labyrinth is only an hour and a half movie, but it feels like they're in that fucking thing forever. Well, yeah, it's called The Labyrinth. This is called The Goblet of Fire. Yeah, he's a sentient goblet. He's like, I'm going to make Harry Potter into the tournament. Oh, wait, no, I was told to do that. It seems like you're giving J.K. Rowling a nice, like, a- additional book idea. 
Goblet of Fire backstory. She's interested in making those shitty Fantastic Beasts movies instead, and they're shitty. They're so disappointing. All she would have to do is, like, give more depth to anything related to Harry Potter. Here's what she... I didn't want to talk about her, but, like, she should just not write those movies. She's writing screenplays for those movies. She's not She's not a screenwriter. Oh, she's writing the screenplays. Yeah. It was never a book. It was a book was, like, a oh, little guidebook. Oh, see, guide that's book. the problem. Write a book. Do, stay in your lane. Yeah. Well, and also maybe mm, stop talking on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> also, don't be shitty. That's all. Just don't be shitty. Yeah, don't be shitty. That's all. Try that one for a little bit. Maybe she should uh, rewatch her movies and reread her books and learn about being a good person. I don't... Well, I don't... <sighs> You said you didn't want to talk about it, and then you brought it it up. I don't want to talk about it. Whatever. (laughs) Goblet of Fire. Goblet of Fire. Harry Potter. All right, guys. This has been a great, I'm sure you learned a lot, uh, (laughs) episode of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire from 2005. We need to say that. We always got to say that in every movie. Every Every time I saw him on screen, I was actually legitimately correctly sad. Yeah, because we just, he's a treasure. He's dead now. Maggie Smith, that's gonna. She's still alive, man. Good for Maggie Smith. She's mm-hmm. just kicking, kicking around, man. Mm-hmm. Good for her. I think it's weird that like, um, there was a whole thing about only having British actors in this whole series. Yeah. But this was the first movie that had a British director. So what's up with that? I don't know. It's fine. But that care. seems weird to like, because I remember that being a whole thing when this whole thing first started. It was like, only British actors allowed. Do you remember that? I, I do remember that. They made a big and deal And then they were that. like, eh, director? Whoever's eh. <laughs> fine. Well, I mean, yeah. Because it's about what's on the screen, you know. Still. Weird, though, right? It's weird. You can say it's weird. Well, the, after this, I think it's the same director all the way through. Um, the, he does a lot of the... He just ends You're up not saying that with confidence? I don't, I'm not liking your confidence level on that? We did a lot of research on this episode. God, fucking It's F. Thanksgiving week. What do you want from me? All right. Thanks for listening, guys. This has been a fun episode for us. Sorry. Less for you. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will talk at you another episode? Movie. You say movie. You re- Man, you're way off your game. You can't even get your own tagline, right? Wow. Wow. You're so mean to Wow. Me. Your brain's been broken ever since you watched Princess Switch 3 romancing the star. <laughs> Starring Vanessa Hudgens, Vanessa Hudgens, Vanessa Hudgens, and not a fourth Vanessa Hudgens. All right. Bullshit. Ha <laughs>